0: and welcome in lake kick is live it is sunday night october 9th the year of our lord 2022 no one knows the answers that's why we're playing these games every saturday we're jam-packed we are high atop a hopping a vibrant downtown nashville tennessee Week six in the rearview mirror, but it's fresh, and we got a lot to talk about with what we saw yesterday afternoon. Last night, we were in Tuscaloosa for what turned out to be a classic four-quarter affair between A&M and Alabama. Conference races are tight coast to coast. I mean, can anyone honestly tell me they have a firm grasp on what's going to happen in the Big 12 or the Pac-12? No, you don't, nor do I. But we're going to try and make the best sense we can of those two pictures tonight. The Every Given Saturday Tour, fresh off a trip to Tuscaloosa, we will announce our Week 7 destination in uh, probably about the next 20 or 30 minutes. Also, Ramen Noodle Express, imagine not being 6-3 and yesterday. Couldn't be us. We are uh, continuing to heat up. We'll have early best bets. I think we got two of them on the board already and you need to get on those because we expect line movement. They're watching us in Beach Island, South Carolina. They're watching in Florence, Oregon, which I was unaware existed until about 30 minutes ago. They're watching us in Maryville, Tennessee, and Arley, Alabama. Met four fine citizens from the metropolis of Arley outside Bryant-Denny Stadium last night. So thank you to everyone. Got in bed at 6.15 a.m. this morning. Do I seem tired? No. Partly because of this orange substance in the chalice of supremacy next to me and partly because we can sleep in December and January. We got a lot to talk about here. We did not make it to Tennessee LSU yesterday. Why? Uh, Well, it ain't on me. It's on the FAA. So I don't have connections in the Federal Aviation Administration, but we had a little plane issue. It turns out we didn't need to be down there because it wasn't a competitive game. Which reminds me, if you exclude that game and you take away that Penn State-Auburn blowout in week three, the average margin of victory in games we have attended this year has been four points. Everyone wants to get all bent out of shape when we choose on Sunday. No one comes back and says, "Wow, you made the right decision. After we, inarguably, have made the right decision most of the time. So, we will tell you where we're headed for week seven in just a few minutes. Mike's already a little sliding down the shirt, so we got to fix that. Hey, if you live in Savannah, Georgia, I'm going to be down there tomorrow night at the quarterback club speaking about what? I don't know. That's up to you, but looking forward to getting to Savannah tomorrow. I've never been to Savannah and I grew up in Georgia. I don't know how that happened. But we're going to rectify that tomorrow. All right, let's dive into the show tonight. Uh, wow. We got a lot of places to go. Uh, there you go. There's your paper pop. I'd set the over under like five and a half paper pops tonight. I have been to many games at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I don't know, in the dozens, but I've been to many games there. 2019 LSU, Joe Burrow versus Tua, I was there. And I think that's about as red hot as I've ever heard that stadium. A close second is last night. I have written on this post-it. Number one, 2019 LSU. Number two, 2022 Texas A&M. We said going in. I said all week to you. I said on the pregame coverage on CBS. I reiterated it last night after the game. A lot of people nationally did not expect that to be that kind of charged environment, but if you're closer to the scene, you understand they didn't care what the point spread was last night. They wanted blood. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. They they wanted to have that moment where you screenshot that scoreboard and it just never came. We got a four-quarter game last night, didn't we? Now, there's this thing that happens with some elite teams. I would say it happens with Bama mostly. It's that feeling of being stunned when you just get a legitimate football game. Because normally the point spreads are really big, because Vegas can't afford not to put out big point spreads on these games featuring these teams, especially when they're at home. But the point spread does not impact the actual game that's played. Sometimes Bama blows folks out. They did it to Arkansas last week. Sometimes they don't. And there's this fine line, for instance, in a game like this where Bama's up 24-14 with the ball in plus territory in the second half, that is on the precipice of becoming a multi-score blowout. But if you continue to turn the ball over and a and A&M, let me rephrase, forces turnovers, which they did multiple times last night, you can get what you got last night, but sometimes people are stunned when a legitimate football game breaks out. And I don't know necessarily, I do know why, I don't know why you continue to allow yourself to be stunned. I've heard a lot of folks talk about this today, because I've talked to a lot of folks about the game today in my few waking hours. uh, The gym over here in Nashville was abuzz with different takes on this game, and it seemed to me as I silently listened that everyone's looking for this, this grandiose, deeper meaning to what you saw last night. I got none of that. I got nothing like that. I hope you're not looking for really, really overtly deep thought here. Let me tell you what I think happened. What I think happened is Alabama played a backup quarterback and finished minus three in the turnover battle and missed a couple of field goals. And because of that, they played a game that history would say they probably should lose. They ended up winning it, but that's what we saw. That's not me saying a and didn't have a lot to do with that. They certainly did. I almost don't believe, I believe there are two different categories of turnovers. One is the unforced type and one is the forced type. Uh, a forced all the turnovers that they got yesterday, but the fact remains, Bama finished in minus three turnovers and 17 of those 20 a m points coming off of those turnovers led to the result you got. So that's not stunning at all. Uh, but th- there's also nothing deeper to take away from that. I believe if Bryce Young played in this game last night, it would have been a runaway victory. He didn't, so it wasn't. So let's dive into what it means because I don't, I personally just don't think I'm taking nearly as much away from it as some other folks. I saw this, for instance, on the Alabama side, totally different. I think the AP dropped him to three. At least that was the rumor in the control room because Colin looks at the AP for me, so I don't have to look at it myself. And that's all well and good. I don't care about that. We'll do the JP poll Tuesday night. But I saw a lot of people drawing conclusions about how vulnerable Alabama is and this and that and blah, 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 and what they can or can't do against Tennessee if Jalen Milrow is starting at quarterback. Now that we have time to talk about. And that I think is a more than valid concern that you find folks should have. But here's the reality to me. Here's here's how I viewed it through an Alabama lens. You temporarily lost something in Bryce Young. You're gonna get him back, maybe this week, we'll see, but you temporarily lost a very valuable piece of your team. And you inserted Jalen Milrow, he played as good as he could. He's probably a, a, a shell of what he eventually would be if you just played him two full seasons. It's, it's not like I punted on Jalen Milrow last night after one game. But he had struggles. He did some good things, but also had struggles. But you lost one key component of your team, and that's all anyone's focused on. And I watched him from field level last night. And I watched what 31 did all night, and I watched what 15 did all night, and I watched what 41 did all night. Now, Bama's got that package where they just put all three of those pass rushers, three of about the five best in the country, all playing on one team, and they just put them on the field at the same time with one down lineman, give it a cool name, I think the cheetah package, and it's terrifying. And you watch it from field level, and I went back and watched the replay. It's even more frightening from field level than it is on the replay because you see the quickness from field level, that I just don't think translates when you're watching either all 22 footage or when you're watching the broadcast feed. They had three sacks. They had six tackles for loss. Here's the kicker. They had 19 quarterback hurries. That translates to about one out of every three times Haynes King tried to throw the ball last night. He was under duress. And therefore, it's a miracle a and wasn't the team dealing with a ton of turnovers. But also, you got the pass rush that you need to be a championship caliber team. You've got the running game you need. And you've got a superstar in your backfield in Jameer Gibbs. He had 21 carries, 154 yards. That's 7.3 per carry. He can also be very active for you, as we've seen in the passing game. So what I'm trying to tell you, my takeaway was about Bama, is Alabama's not the team we will eventually know them to be. Once you have Bryce Young back, assuming you get him back fully healthy, okay? Once you get Bryce Young back, you get to pair him and what you get as an offense because you have him with that pass rush. And you get to pair him in the backfield with that running game. And I've told you once, and I'll tell you again, I think the more finished product of this team is going to be the best team in the country. Whether you think they are right now is irrelevant because we decide that in December and January in whether it be a conference championship or a playoff. But I I I don't know. I didn't walk away at all last night saying, boy, Bama's in trouble. No, they're in trouble if they got to play their backup quarterback. That's exactly how they're in trouble. And we'll see how that plays out this week because they're going on the road to Tennessee. And we got, again, a lot of time to talk about that. I got several thoughts on Texas A&M here. (sighs) Again, this is not going to be very deep because I don't think that you need to go there. Immunity. If you could just forget everything else, we don't need to look at box score, turnovers, final score, anything like that. From a pure effort standpoint, If you could just promise me that that Texas A&M team would give me that every week, I'd be satisfied because even an imperfect Texas A&M team, even an imperfect offense that's going to struggle to put points on the board consistently, if I just get that effort, by sheer force of how talented their roster is, offensively and defensively, they'll win games for me. If I got the effort I got last night against App State, that would not be a loss. It would be a win. Ditto in the Mississippi State game, or at the very least, it would have been more competitive. Now, I know why we saw that effort, because as we talked about last week going into it, we were going to get a one-game season from them. We were going to get a Super Bowl. We weren't going to get the kind of a and team you've seen so far this year. So for better or for worse, we were going to get a unique version of them. Well, here's the thing about a unique version of yourself. If you can do it once, that means you were always capable of it, and it means moving forward, unless you're just devastated by injury and you lose key pieces, you will be capable of it. So right now, Texas A&M's got, what, three losses. They've still got a long way to go. I think uh, what struck me last night was the tone and the tune coming out of it was, well, I guess Jimbo's not on the hot seat anymore. Well, I thought it was stupid to ever say he was on the hot seat. Um, not, not making people who say it stupid. I'm saying I thought it was a stupid thing to say. Smart people say dumb things all the time. So I thought that was always dumb. But a lot of folks came out of last night saying, oh, no more hot seat for Jimbo. This is sort of uh, like Dennis. I was doing postgame with Dennis last night. Dennis said, I think this is a moral victory for them. That's great. That's great. But that's the kind of stuff you say more at the end of the season. They still got half a dozen games to play. There's still a long way to go. They pulled this upset last year. And then they lost two more games after that but yet they still rode that wave, that upset wave, and the fact that they were hurt at quarterback last year, which gave them an excuse and a trap door to a number one recruiting class and to a ton of momentum coming into this year. So far, it hasn't gone as planned. They they can get some run out of this effort they had last night. They can still have a decent year. It will fall below their standard, but they can have a decent year. But look, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take some consistency and performance. It's going to take them... In some cases, doing what they did last night, being more aggressive in leveraging their best playmakers. Did you see how often they threw it to Evan Stewart last night? I mean, I had some Bama folks telling me, boy, Terry and Arnold had a bad game. No, he didn't have a bad game. He got targeted all night. Having a bad game would be Evan Stewart with about three or four touchdowns on his stat sheet. Evan Stewart had a big night because Evan Stewart's one of the best players in the country, even as a true freshman. And he went heads up with Terry and Arnold a whole lot. Now, Terry and Arnold won his fair share of those battles too. But that's the point. Like Nick Saban puts a ton of true freshmen on the field. Well, Jimbo's got a true freshman on the field there. And they finally threw it his way. I think they targeted him 18 times last night. That's what you got to do, especially since Aniah Smith is gone for the season for them. that is kind of antithetical to how they've handled play calling so far this year. Now, a, a simple-minded person could look back at me and say, oh, Jimbo only did that because he knew that was what he had to do to win. Well, what a revelation that is, huh? Now, I would suggest that that doesn't apply just to last night. I would suggest that moving forward, when you play Ole Miss, for example, I would suggest a and needs to do that against them to win. And then just rinse and repeat all the way down the line. So I know that everyone wants big grand takeaways. I, just, I chose to react to what we actually saw last night. I was thankful that I was in the stadium and didn't have to watch the broadcast. I have nothing against the CBS broadcast. Actually, I think it's the best product in the country. But I'd, I was not really interested in hearing the Jimbo-Nick Saban stuff. What I was interested in seeing is how a couple of backup quarterbacks perform. Now, Haynes King is a starting caliber quarterback, but I, I was interested in the football game. My takeaways, Bama won't win what they want to win with a backup quarterback, so it's essential they get Bryce Young back. I think a and could be 5-1 and one right now if I did nothing more than get a copy-paste of the effort they gave last night. Those were my two big takeaways, and those aren't very big a and goes into a bye week. we got to see how they parlay this. Do they use it as a springboard? They can still have a really good second half of the season. Bama at Tennessee this Saturday. I've talked about that game for a long time on this show. And as you saw Thursday night, we have a very sizable young audience. We have our 18- to 24-year-old demo is the biggest one we have. That makes no sense to a 19- or 20-year-old. When you talk Bama, Tennessee, you might as well be talking like Rutgers, Ohio State or something not quite to that degree, but no one has any concept of why you're talking about that game with reverence. Why would you give that any special consideration? They just think it's a conference game. Well, it is now, it wasn't already. The third Saturday in October used to be the premier rivalry in the SEC. And this includes a generation long before I could operate an automobile or really was coherent enough to know what I was watching. But there was a time and you can ask your older Bama friends, brethren, relatives, uncles, whatnot, that that was the rivalry. Wasn't the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowls always mattered a lot down there, but the older the Alabama fan you're talking to, the more likely they are to say, yeah, Tennessee is actually the one I grew up learning to hate. And Auburn, I felt the same way about, but it was just a little bit different with Tennessee. Because Bryant made it that way. And a generation now has gone by, well, time has passed a generation by without knowing what that third Saturday in October rivalry is about. And the reason I'm looking forward to this Saturday is because finally a generation gets to find out what that third Saturday in October rivalry is about. That is going to be an amazing, amazing atmosphere in Neyland Stadium Saturday night.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? It was an amazing atmosphere last night. They did a great job. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention this. Colin, you can cut the video before this. Um, so, true story. I'm standing on the field last night. AM's inside the five-yard line. It is first and goal. Bama just got tagged with a P.I., and so there's going to be basically time for one play from the three or two-yard line. I think two-yard line, yeah. So, I'm talking about you can cut the tension in the stadium with a knife, and I'm I, I got to go over to the a and side because we're getting ready with the CBS crew to grab players for interviews from a and if they pull the upset. So I'm over there and I walk by the A&M Corps of Cadets and in the middle of all this chaos, they grab me. Colin, could you go to my key shop, please? They grab me and they say, hey, we just wanted to present you with this. Uh, let, me, let me put it where you can see it. There we go. This, this was not drawn on here by me via Sharpie. It says every given Saturday tour. They already had this ready for me. Also, two very nice pens on the back, Corps of Cadets, and my guys had walked around the whole night looking for me, apparently, and I was a ghost. I was nowhere to be found because I was on the other side. Right there, first and goal, season on the line, game on the line. They found time to hand me a present. So I appreciate that from Texas A&M. That's why, even though they lost last night, I tweeted it today. I will reiterate, Texas A&M, Pate State material in my book. You can call them whatever you want to. They are friends of this program, as is Academy Sports and Outdoors. So I handed out, I had 50 Academy Sports and Outdoors gift cards on me yesterday. They were gone two hours before kickoff. You guys had no shot. If you waited until you saw me in the stadium or afterwards, you had no shot. That's just the way it is. We gave out several of them at Rounders in Tuscaloosa Thursday night. I gave out a ton on the quad, a couple at a little Mediterranean cafe earlier in the day they went and they went fast we as i told jesse earlier we have become a show that is so synonymous with academy sports and outdoors our exclusive presenting sponsor that when people meet me it normally goes a little something like this hey nice to meet you i love the show i shop at academy sports and outdoors it happens dozens and dozens and dozens of times every saturday which is music to my ears because then i get to tell alex and the fine folks over at academy and it's music to their ears Academy Sports and Outdoors, as the seasons change out there, they've got what you need. Notice, I didn't even ask you what you need. I know you guys, because we're pretty much the same. Your life, my life, we got some needs, and one, two, three, four, five, you just start checking them off your list. You don't have to go five different places. Academy Sports and Outdoors hasn't. Your tent, they've got it. Your raincoat, they've got it. Your hockey equipment, probably in certain markets, they got it. And they've got the grills, they've got all the accessories you need to complement your life. And if you can't get there in person, academy.com is your one-stop shop for all of your outdoor sporting good needs and then some. Chalai of Supremacy, by the way, are being shipped to certain individuals who checked in from the Jeffersonville, Indiana grand opening of your new academy up there. I'm giving you guys 24 more hours. If you can prove to me you were there, I will enter you to win a chalice of supremacy. We're sending 10 of them out, and I'm doing it this Tuesday. Okay, we got a long way to go. Let's continue to move, move, move. Thank you for watching. If you're watching live, please like and subscribe. I don't care if it's in that order or not. Just please do that. <laughs> this is going to be so sad. I, mm, I need to prepare myself. Let me take a sip. Mm. I'm spill it everywhere. Um, if you didn't watch Texas, Oklahoma yesterday, don't. I watched it so you don't have to. Picture this. It's going to be weird. I just need you to go with me on it. Picture you and 21 of your friends, okay? Just picture you and 21 of your friends. You want to do something a little different. So you guys go and you break into a morgue. You heard me right. And you go and you just yank a body bag off the shelf. and This is where it gets really interesting you just start beating on the body bag. And one hour goes by and you don't stop. Two hours go by, still beating. And about three or three hours, 15 minutes go into it. And then all of a sudden, you feel like we've done enough here. Let's stop beating on the body bag. Let's just go get lunch. Then you guys leave. That is my summary of the Texas-Oklahoma game yesterday. Completely lifeless. That was Oklahoma. And Texas took great pleasure and pride in beating on the body bag for about three to three and a half hours. 49 to nothing is the final score. It was probably even worse than the score sounds. I'll get to Oklahoma in a second. I know you guys have been talking. I do have some thoughts on Brent Venables, the future of the program, et cetera, But you know the rule here. We talk about winners first. So Oklahoma's got to wait. I had a lot of folks come at me last week, including some OU fans, And you asked me, how could we still have Texas in the top 10 of the JP poll? They've got two losses. That's how. Did you watch them yesterday? That's how. Uh, The reason is because as of this point moving forward, they're a top 10 caliber team. Why? Because as of this point moving forward, they got Quinn Ewers as their quarterback. Did you find yourself, if you did watch this atrocity yesterday in real time, did you find yourself when Texas was up 21 to nothing, thinking about the fact that they had lost a game or two? When they were up 35-0, did Texas' two losses enter your mind at all? Of course they didn't. You know why? They didn't matter yesterday, nor will they matter moving forward, because what they did without their starting quarterback does not impact the caliber of team they are with their starting quarterback. It matters in the standings, it matters in the playoff race, and I'm not suggesting otherwise. But in the power rating world, or in the Vegas odds-making world, they're talking about the here and now. And in the here and now, Texas does have two losses, true enough. I think they're one of the 10 best teams in the country, and I took a sneak peek at what the J.P. poll thinks. I would suggest they're moving up from that number 10 spot tomorrow night, or Tuesday night, but we'll get there when we get there. Texas was up 28 to nothing at the half, okay? So I, where was I? Yeah, Man, my, my mic is acting up. There we go. Okay, it's back. Um, Texas is up 28 nothing at the half yesterday. And I was at this game last year when it was like 28 to three or something like that, and I remember there being some uneasiness in the Cotton Bowl, and a lot of longtime Texas observers or just longtime observers of the game said, "Hey, this isn't over," and I understood what they were saying. Of course, they ended up being right. That was prophetic because Oklahoma came back to win outright. Well, I've got some Longhorn fans that suffer from what I guess we could call battered battered horn syndrome. I had some Texas buddies when this was 28-zip at the half yesterday texting me back and forth saying, we got to be careful now. Can't let our guard down. This thing's not over. And I was like, what? They could play to Wednesday and Oklahoma's not scoring 28 points. Are you crazy? And they put up a goose egg. So a shutout pitched on behalf of the Texas defense. Oklahoma is a a bad to horrific team right now. Uh, Here is all you need to know. Well, really, the final score is all you need to know, but how about this? Total yards, 585 to 195, Texas, violence. Uh, Third downs, Texas, 10 of 15, OU, 3 of 15, Texas, violence. Passing yardage, 289 to 39. That's not a typo. That's not Celsius versus Fahrenheit. That's just what the actual box score said. Texas, violence. Red zone efficiency, Texas, 6 of 7. OU, 0 of 2, Texas, violence. Texas and violence were really the only two words you needed to know about this game yesterday. Padlock stat, pretty much the entire stat sheet. So I didn't really feel like narrowing it down to one. Uh, Texas is a very good team, okay? Texas is in the Big 12. So like every game they play is going to feature a team that they're capable of beating or is capable of beating them. And I know sometimes people tell you the lie that on any given Saturday, any team can beat anyone. Well, that's not true. We get upsets on every given Saturday, but any given Saturday is a lie, except in the Big 12, where it really is more like a a pro feel, where any given Saturday is like any given Sunday. Any team can beat anyone. Oklahoma's defense the last three games has given up an average of 48.3 points per game. Oklahoma's defense over the last three games has given up an average of 310 rushing yards per game. And Oklahoma's defense over the past three games has given up 12 rushing touchdowns. It's a bad, bad time for the 2022 version of the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm not here to suggest otherwise. I have eyes. I have a functioning television. I know I'm watching the same thing that you guys are. There are two very starkly divided camps out there right now on Brent Venables. Camp A says Brent Venables just needs more time, and Camp B says this was a bad hire. Where's the dump button? And I'm just saying that I think it's impossible to know right now. I think, for example, this season is totaled. Oklahoma's 2022 football team is a totaled product. There's no resuscitating it. There's no fixing it. In my mind, there's no real bringing it back. There's nothing they can do at this point. The greatest coach in the history of mankind probably wouldn't salvage this version of Oklahoma. But if I took a totaled car into the shop, you could be the best mechanic in the world or the worst mechanic in the world. I wouldn't be able to tell because there's nothing either of you can do with this particular automobile cause it's totaled. So Brent Venables may be the right guy for the job. He may be the wrong guy for the job. I'm not telling either of you, you're wrong. I'm just telling you this particular version of Oklahoma is doomed to fail. For all I know, it always did have terminal flaws. I'm not ready to give you an opinion on that. I'm ready to say, and and dare I take the bold stance, that I want to give a guy a little bit more than six or seven months before I decide whether he's a disaster of a hire or whether 2022 will be looked on five years from now when he's got Oklahoma rolling, three years from now, two years from now when he's got Oklahoma rolling, and we laugh at it. I don't know which direction we're going to go. I just don't think there's this magic crystal ball out there that everyone but me has access to where they know definitively on this thing. Just give it a year. Please just give it a year. Let's land another recruiting class. They haven't fallen off a cliff in that department. Landed a good one last year. They're going to land a good one this cycle. So I'm willing to give it time, but I can also tell you this season's a disaster and it's unacceptable. I can do both of those things. So that's where I am with Oklahoma. Texas, meanwhile, Remember Bo Davis's little rant on that darkened bus last year? Did you notice what he said back then and the attitude he wanted Texas to have that they didn't have? And did you see the way the offensive line played yesterday? You know, that offensive line was supposed to be a weakness for Texas. If you go back to the spring, if you go back to fall camp, even insiders very close to the team. You're talking about multiple true freshmen having to play multiple true freshmen in the two deep. Well, here's what was probably underconsidered by people, including myself. Those true freshmen may have walked on campus and been better than anyone they had. And that's the case, especially at left tackle. <laughs> that's the case. I've, I've talked to some folks close to Texas, and they said, hey, Banks walked on campus, and within about 20 minutes, we knew he's the best offensive lineman we got. He's a true freshman. That kid was in high school, He was walking the hallways of a high school in Texas this time last year. They're good, and they're getting better. They can win the Big 12. I'm going to talk about the status of the Big 12 in a little while. That's a good team. All right, let's move on. Boy, this this one I thought was going to be good, but not so much. Let me see if I can. Colin, you think I can take a sip of this and not spill it on myself? Yeah, I think so too. Okay. I want to get different flavors, but Colin says as long as Tennessee's undefeated, I got to stick with the orange. Follow-up question, how long are we going to stick with Orange Liquid in the Chalice of Supremacy? That's kind of a teaser for this week, I think. Okay, Uh, Tennessee boat raced LSU yesterday. There are no two ways about this. We were supposed to be at this game. We weren't. Seems LSU really wasn't at this game either. And uh, that's a shame because this one had an opportunity, at least on paper, to kind of be a, a quiet classic if you can have such a thing. I saw that look in some of your eyes last week. And I saw that look in some of your eyes yesterday when the dust settled and you saw 40 to 13, the final in favor of Tennessee, you had that look. And that look is like if you were to walk outside your office tomorrow and there's this giant pallet of cash on the sidewalk, what would you do? And let's just say there's a sign that says free to a good home. What would you do? You wouldn't run up to that pallet and start grabbing those bills. You'd do like I would. You'd look to the left, you'd look to the right, you'd look up and you'd wonder, what's the deal? Well, imagine staring at that pallet of cash and wondering, all right, what's the catch? Meanwhile, some guy pulls up with a U-Haul and a forklift and loads the pallet into that U-Haul, whistling the whole time, lowers the back, and drives away and he gets all the money. How would you feel? You would feel like you just missed a great opportunity. A lot of you saw Tennessee minus three, or even minus three and a half last week, minus two and a half at some points, and you thought it was too good to be true. There's no way they're giving me this free money. And then other people took Tennessee minus two and a half, three, three and a half, and took it to the bank, and you were left after a 40 to 13 beatdown yesterday saying, how could I have let this pass me by? I know that because I asked myself the same thing. We picked Tennessee to win, we picked them to cover, We did not put it on the Ramen Noodle Express. And look, the Ramen Noodle Express had a great day yesterday, but it could have been greater. And we we let it slip through our fingertips. I guess what I'm trying to say is Tennessee is who we thought they were, and we let them off our hook. It would piss Denny Green off. It pisses me off. So reality came into focus pretty early in this game. It was not... Back and forth, nip and tuck, it was nothing like that. Uh, LSU botches the opening kickoff, and Tennessee scores. Tennessee gets a long punt return, they go up. If you told me nothing other than that, as a matter of fact, if you told me that's how the first quarter was going to play out, I would have been ultra confident because of how imperative it was for Tennessee to get a fast start to win and for LSU to have them avoid that. LSU is not equipped to catch up, as you clearly see by what the final score was. Two things stand out that I think are going to go overlooked here of what the perception is of Tennessee. Your perception, bathed in reality, is Hendon Hooker is a Heisman contender, and they throw the ball all over the place, and they've got a high-octane passing attack. Well, they outrushed LSU 263-55 to yesterday. Tennessee's defense was also really good. They allowed 55 yards rushing. That's two yards per carry for LSU. You don't think about that when you think of Tennessee. They had five sacks. They had nine tackles for loss. None of us think about that when we think about Tennessee. We haven't seen that kind of defensive performance from them yet yet this year. Now, obviously, one has to ask, is LSU's offensive line that inept that this just made Tennessee defensively look better? Well, that's why we're going to play the rest of the season. But Tennessee threw the ball 28 times yesterday. They ran the ball 49 times yesterday. Does that sync up necessarily with how you – perceive them to go about things? No, but uh, that's how they chose to give themselves the best opportunity to win and dominate yesterday. They're peaking at the right time. I mean, they are, they are 28 for 28 in red zone scoring opportunities this year. I don't need to tell you that leads the country. They are 11 of 14 on fourth down. Is that in the year? Good great. So they're 11 of 14 uh, going forward on fourth down this year. The LSU side of this equation is as simple as this. They've got offensive limitations. Notice I said offensive and not quarterback. I was told by some trusted sources that Jaden Daniels played horrifically yesterday. And then I went back and rewatched the game. I saw some of it live, but I went back and rewatched the game. He didn't play horrifically. Uh, He didn't play his, you know, I'm not even going to say he didn't play his best game. I thought he played pretty good. I mean, all things considered, the quarterback down there at LSU, Jaden Daniels, I thought he played pretty good. I thought he played about as good as anyone could reasonably expect him to, given his surroundings. And by that, I really mean his offensive line. And so they've got offensive limitations. I had uh, one particular LSU buddy that I talked to that is a quarterback expert. It's just no one knows it. And he was saying, This would be different if we put Nuss in, if we put Garrett Nussmeyer in. And I'm asking him, How's that? Like, what offensive line is he over there warming up with that he's going to bring onto the field? Wh- what's happening there? And he said, well, well, Nuss will throw the ball all over the middle of the field. You know, he'll push it, he'll push it down the field. Who told you he's going to have time to do that? I thought Nussmeyer was going to win the job. So I'm not anti Nussmeyer. Either either Brian Kelly has no clue what he's doing, and Mike Denbrock over there, look, you guys can cast dispersions if you want on Denbrock. I'm saying Brian Kelly's the one who makes the decisions there. Either he's just he's just playing Jaden Daniels to spite message boards and Twitter, or he knows what he's doing with his team and he's playing the guy that gives him the best chance to win. That includes yesterday. I think he's standing on that sideline and looking out there and seeing the same thing I saw when I watched the replay, and that is an offensive line getting caved by a defense that really doesn't have that reputation. So with that in mind, I don't think he believed that a change at quarterback was really gonna change much of anything. Colin, it's time, isn't it? I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. And it's not just because my mic keeps curling up. This is, this is not the mic's fault. You know, this is, I, it's time to order new t-shirts. That's all I'm gonna say. We were at Bryant-Denny Stadium last night. Supposed to be in two places yesterday. Only made it to one, which we accept no responsibility for, of course. It's only our fault when things go well. The Every Given Saturday Tour in week seven. We've got a monster slate coming up this week. we got big ones all over the place. Check it out. This is the week that USC goes to Utah. Southern Cal is an underdog at Utah. A lot of you are writing them off after they lost to UCLA. Two losses for Utah. How are they gonna be favorite? Well, they are against Southern Cal by three and a half. That's an eight Eastern time kick, by the way, on Fox. Elsewhere, we have Penn State going to Michigan. I have a huge place in my heart for big noon kickoff, especially since I went to a night game last night and didn't get in bed till 6:30 this morning. So that is the noon Eastern Time kickoff game. Bama, of course, is at Tennessee. That is our CBS or SEC on CBS 330 game of the week. And look at that one down at the bottom. Oklahoma State at TCU. You're getting these games every week in the Big 12. Huge implications every week across the board virtually. Oklahoma State at TCU, 3.30 on ABC. I grew up in West Central Georgia. When they put me to bed at night down there, they told me stories about legendary rivalries. And the one that always led the conversation was the one third down on that screen. And that's the third Saturday in October. And I told you guys three weeks ago, and internally I told our people at the beginning of the season, in this fantasy world I have, Bama was undefeated, going to Neyland Stadium undefeated in week seven. If that happened, it would take a prison guard to keep me from going to Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, guess what we have? We got undefeated Bama going to undefeated Neyland Stadium. The Every Given Saturday Tour, for the second time in a month, is headed back to Knoxville we will absolutely take the opportunity to check out number three, Alabama, at least in the AP, against number six, Tennessee, a top 10 matchup in the third Saturday in October rivalry. As I told you guys earlier in the show, a lot of you just don't get it, and that's okay. It's okay that you don't understand this. It's time for a new generation of folks to understand what that rivalry is all about. It's different. It's big time, means a ton. And I've actually been to a few of these games over the past 15 years when the nation's attention wasn't on it. It still has that feel, just not quite the feel it would have had in the vintage years of that rivalry. Winning teams smoke cigars. And what's beautiful is even though a blowout in and of itself is not beautiful, sometimes I've been at Bama when they've beaten Tennessee pretty soundly. Therefore, they can light the cigars up before the game's over. And a lot of times, the cigar smoke itself forms a cloud over the stadium, and usually the game's ending at night, and it's the craziest thing, because there is this man-made cloud of cigar smoke that hovers if you don't have a breeze, and the stadium lights make it look like there's a roof that's on the stadium. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen, and the TV cameras really don't pick it up all that well. Anyway, I don't expect a blowout either way this Saturday. But I just want to tell you, Colin, who does Tennessee play after Alabama? Do they have a bye or do they? No, they just had their bye. They play UT Martin. Okay, that is a good thing. Because if Tennessee were to pull this off Saturday, I don't know that we've ever seen a bigger letdown spot in the history of organized athletics than Tennessee would be in the next week. So it's good that I think the Skyhawks, Warhawks, whoever they are, I think it's good that UT Martin comes in there. This line opened at about 8.5. It's at 7.5 right now. My opinion on that is oddsmakers are essentially splitting the difference between a Bama without Bryce and a Bama with Bryce. Uh, We make the number about Bama minus three with Jalen Milrow starting. We make it about Bama Bama minus 11 with Bryce starting uh, because that's how many points we designate to Bryce Young. I still think we underrate him personally. We are going to Knoxville Saturday. Actually, I'll be there before Saturday. Man, I can't wait for that. I, I have been waiting for that one. Essentially all my life. I guess the lyrics from In the Air tonight are apropos here. It's going to be an afternoon game, but man, I've been waiting for that one pretty much all my life to see a top 10 designation on both of those teams. That's going to be incredible. Okay, let's venture out to the Big 12 for a second. This is the most entertaining conference in the country. We saw it coming in the preseason, and I'm going to reiterate now. The Big 12 is the most entertaining conference in the country. TCU beat Kansas yesterday in what may have been the game of the day until we got to nighttime and we saw Bama a and or maybe even including that game, 38-31 TCU beats Kansas. Fumbles finally bit Kansas. Now, they've been putting the ball on the ground a fair amount this year. They hadn't had to pay for it, but they finally paid yesterday. And of course, Jalen Daniels, the quarterback, went down. I thought they got pretty good quarterback play from the backup. I don't think that's what ultimately doomed them. You know, Jason Beans, the backup there at Kansas, I thought he performed and validated himself very well. But Quentin Johnson, is a wide receiver at TCU. We were talking a lot about last year, and he's doing this year what I kind of thought he may do last year. He had 14 catches for over 200 yards yesterday. He is a Sunday player who just happens to be playing Saturday ball right now. And I want you to pay close attention this Saturday. There are so many big games, but the one happening in Fort Worth, Oklahoma State at TCU, it not only has Big 12 championship implications, Make no mistake about it. That has college football playoff implications because some of these teams in the Big 12 are proving to be real enough commodities they have to be taken into account. I don't care how many teams you thought one conference or the other would get in in the preseason. The games are actually happening right now. TCU is a very good team. Oklahoma State's a very good team. And I don't know that anybody's great right now, but they're all in the running. And so that one's a big one. TCU opens as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's essentially home field, and so Vegas is telling you two very comparable teams here are going at it. Kansas, meanwhile, goes on the road to Oklahoma. Let me have a little exercise here for those of you in the room that fancy yourselves experts, me not being one of them, of course, because I already know the answer. Kansas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an unmitigated tire fire disaster right now. What do you think the point spread is? Who do you think's favored? How about that? I'm going to give you three seconds, two, one. Oklahoma's favored by a touchdown at home. I see a lot of you already rushing to your nearest device to place that money on the Jayhawks. Hey, look, maybe it's that Tennessee situation. Maybe it's free money out there. I don't know. They don't do that all that often. Uh, Texas Tech falls to Oklahoma State 41 to 31. Oklahoma State, very interesting number here. They got 16 touchdown drives already this year of two minutes or less. How significant is that? How much is that a returning to their roots for them? They got 16 TD drives, two minutes or less this year. They had 17 of those in all of last year. So that offense is up a notch or three or five, which is interesting because it's the same quarterback there. Texas Tech emptied the chamber yesterday. They may have lost by 10. They left nothing in the chamber. They had seven fourth down attempts, and they went four of seven. They had 63 passing attempts. They ran 104 plays yesterday and lost. Now, that's important because the team they played, that defense of Oklahoma that was on the field for 104 plays, they're not off this week. They already had their bye. So keep in mind as you're placing those precious shekels of yours on that TCU Oklahoma State game, one of those defenses, the one that has to travel this week, was on the field 104 plays yesterday. So I think that's significant. Uh, Moving on. Kansas State scored 10 points in Ames, but that's all it took. Kansas State 10, Iowa State 9. We're not happy about it in Ames, uh, but we're going to roll with it. We are 0-3 in conference play, and it's the first time that we've been this down since 2016, but we're not here to talk about the losers, unfortunately. We're here to talk about Kansas State. They're undefeated in conference play. Uh, yet another contender that's still out there. The play that determined this game didn't happen in the fourth quarter, second half. It was like two and a half minutes into the game. And Adrian Martinez ducks a sack, hits a receiver, broken tackle, 81 yards for the touchdown. And at the time you think, all right, we're just settling in. No, you, you almost decided the game there because they didn't score again until 7:14 to go in the fourth, which is when they kicked a field goal that ended up winning it. So there is... There is so much competitive balance in this conference. It's amazing. Just to give you an idea, and Jesse and Colin, I don't really know what we have in terms of odds to win the Big 12, if we have any of that, but I'll tell you what our numbers think. Oklahoma State in Vegas is the current odds-on favorite to win the Big 12 championship. TCU is second. Texas is third. Kansas State's fourth, but what you need to know is they're, they're bunched up. There's no separation there. And then Baylor is a little more distant fifth. Well, I'll tell you the uh, model thinks Texas is the best team in the Big 12 right now. We would favor them by seven on a neutral field with Quinn Ewers. We would favor them by seven against Oklahoma State tomorrow. We'd favor Oklahoma State by two against Kansas State. We'd favor Kansas State by two against TCU. And we'd favor TCU by one against Baylor. This is must see. Every Saturday, this conference is must-see. Also, Kansas State. Just, just a little note here: fewest points in a road conference win since 1982. They scored 10 points. First three-game losing streak for Iowa State since 2016. It hurts me so much to say that. We go further out west. Pac-12 paint in the house again. We go further out west. UCLA is off to an incredible start here under Chip Kelly. It. They have scored 40 points. For the fifth time this year, they beat Utah yesterday, 42-32. to And it's incredible because when you look at the first down stats, Utah had 31 first downs and found a way to lose this game. Utah had won five straight in this series by an average of 27 points. So there was a lot of atoning to do for UCLA. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson looks great at quarterback. Zach Charbonnet looks great in the backfield. It's everything you hoped you would have on a more veteran type offense for UCLA. It's what we thought may happen with Chip Kelly finally having that that kind of click-in year, that kind of snap year. They're off this week, are the Bruins. And then they go and they play Oregon. So I know I'm talking about week seven a lot. We got a monster week seven slate. But buddy in week eight, it gets real in a hurry out on the West Coast. We got UCLA undefeated, against a red hot Oregon team. Speaking of the Ducks, 49 to 22. They beat Arizona yesterday. So I don't think the nation is watching them right now. I think the last time most people saw them, they were getting drug all over Atlanta by Georgia. And I'm just telling you, this is a really good team. Since that game, they're beating opponents by an average of 49 to 24, pretty much, uh, with a little decimal point and some odds and ends there. They're good. They're good. They haven't lost, again, since then. Uh, Touchdowns on seven consecutive drives yesterday. All seven of them, by the way, on the ground. So Bo Nix is having himself a really good year. They're running the ball really good, too. Oregon only conforted... You know, here's a misleading stat. This is why you have to take this stuff not in isolation, but congruent to the rest of the box score. They only converted four third downs yesterday. They only went for it eight times. They were running the ball so effectively, they just didn't get the third down very often. 306 yards rushing for Oregon against Arizona, 7.5 per carry. Look at Bo Nix, 70% completion guy this season. Wow, what a change of scenery will do for a guy. Uh, USC beat Washington State yesterday, 30-14. to 14. They held Washington skate, or State scoreless in the final 43 minutes of this game. No turnovers, just solid play. So this wasn't one of those USC turnover-laden specials They just shut Washington State down. It's the first 6-0 start for USC since how long ago? 6 That's a while back. There was a guy, maybe you've heard of him, by the name of Pete Carroll, who was coaching USC at that time, kids. And he's long gone, and so are those memories. Maybe not, though. Maybe they're back. Right now, the Pac-12 picture is as muddy as ever in a good way. This is a good kind of muddy Our model has USC as the best team out there. We've got UCLA, we got Oregon, we got Utah. So really you've still got four teams from a power rating standpoint in the top tier. And the standings bear that out because it's the same teams at the top. You got USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah. And as I just said, we got USC playing Utah this week. We got UCLA playing Oregon next week. So a lot of this is gonna start to sort itself out. We don't have to do the hypothetical matchup thing. And keep in mind, as you're looking at those odds to win the Pac-12 championship, Southern Cal odds on favorite, UCLA right behind them, Oregon right behind them, and Utah because they just lost a conference game a little ways back. But keep in mind, they're a two-loss team. They've only got one conference loss, so they still control their own destiny. And unlike the ACC, the Pac-12 has already moved to the new conference title format. They have divisions, but they don't mean anything because they're just taking the two best teams and putting them in the conference title game. So you don't have to win your division. You just got to be one of the two best teams. That Pac-12 picture, that Big 12 picture, it is fascinating coast to coast right now. Some added takeaways yesterday. I got several more games to get to here right quick. And then I got your two best bets because we've got to move on some games that I think are going to move on us. Arkansas got handled by Mississippi State yesterday, 40-17, to Never felt like Arkansas had a shot in this game. I felt worse and worse about it throughout the week. K.J. Jefferson did not play. Uh, this is not a team that can be functional without their starting quarterback. Mississippi State's 5-1 and one for the first time since 1998. I'm very happy to say that we had them rated top 15 in the preseason. And now a lot of folks have started to catch up. Colin, what, out of curiosity, does the AP – have Mississippi State ranked right now? Do you know off the top of your head? 16th. Still not high enough. Mississippi State is better. There are not 16 teams, rather, better in the country than Mississippi State. How about this, by the way? They had 106 rush yards per game as of yesterday after this game. That's their average. Uh, That's about as good as you'll ever see a Mike Leach offense in the rush yards per game category. They've been improving on that statistic this year. That's a very good thing. So Arkansas, is uh, they're going into a bye week, right? No, they've got to go out to Provo, Utah, which might as well be Russia if you live in Arkansas. They got to go up there and they got to suck wind and they got to deal with that thin air and they got to play Brigham Young. And they are a three-point dog on the road. Meanwhile, Mississippi State, they're headed to Kentucky and they're catching Kentucky at the right time. State is close to a touchdown favorite in Lexington. What about Michigan yesterday? you got to take this final, I think, a little bit with a grain of salt. Now, we put Indiana on the Ramen Noodle Express on Friday Night Lines. If you tuned in, you got it. If you didn't, you missed it. Simple as that. We expected really good numbers from J.J. McCarthy. We got him. He had a career best day in pass attempts, in completions, in passing yards, and that's because Indiana was going to sell out to stop the run, and they did, and it, eh, it had some success, but there was a trade-off there. It's the second half shutout that stood out to me. And if you didn't watch this game, Mike Hart on the coaching staff there at Michigan had a medical issue and he collapsed on the sideline. They had to cart him off. I think it really zapped Michigan. And they kind of put in just kind of a workman's like performance the rest of the day and they disposed of an inferior team. But I'm telling you, because I saw when that happened and I saw the impact it had on that team. I, I don't think that, uh, sort of a lackadaisical performance if you want to call a three touchdown win on the road in conference lackadaisical. If you want to call it that, you can. I think that had an impact on that team. I think this is an improving team still. I do not think we've seen what they're fully capable of. Offensively, I like what they're rounding into. It's the pass rush that will ultimately be the deciding factor down the road. It wasn't going to matter yesterday. That's what will matter down the road. And the rest of their schedule, they have Penn State coming in there this Saturday. And Penn State is a seven-point dog at Michigan. So Wolverines, touchdown favorite at home. What about Ohio State? They did to Michigan State what they did to Michigan State last year, just a different venue, 49-20. to C.J. Stroud, 21-26, of 26, 361 through the air, just half a dozen touchdowns. We, we get to use those sorts of phrases with C.J. Stroud. We, we talk in terms of dozens and half-dozens now with his touchdown passing. He did throw a pick, so shame on him. Here's the evergreen padlock stat for Michigan State. 0.4 yards per carry. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Conversely, Ohio State ran it for 5.2 per carry. It was domination in all phases. There's not really much point in going any deeper on this. South Carolina, I can't wait to say what I'm about to say. South Carolina, 24. Kentucky, 14. We checked the calendar. It is October 8th yesterday, October 9th today. South Carolina's in the win column. Coctober is back. Finally, Coctober is back. Uh, They may go undefeated the rest of the year, for all I know. This was a big win. It was a needed win for them. They've they've had a tough time of it as of late. They went into their bye. They got right. They went on the road against a vulnerable team without Will Levis, starting at quarterback, and they did what they should do. They won as an underdog outright on the road. South Carolina's 4-2 now. So is Kentucky. I know it feels like there's a world's difference between those teams. There's not, especially without a quarterback. Uh, so, Levis out, kind of ball game. We saw that line drop. It couldn't have dropped far enough because they were not, and I repeat not, winning that game without Will Levis. You would think that this is the time where Kentucky needs that buy. They need it badly, and they're not getting it. They got Mississippi State coming in there. Um, South Carolina, in fact, Colin, can I get their schedule right quick? Because I don't remember it off the top of my head. South Carolina's in an interesting spot. I said Carolina was on a bye. They were on extended rest because they played the Thursday game the week before. They're going into their bye now, and I think they've got a and after that. So still tough games, but they're at four wins right now. Get two more of them. Get to a bowl at least, and then you start stacking any additional chips you can. I don't have a whole lot to say about Georgia-Auburn other than 42-10. to Is probably about what most people would expect in that game. 21 fourth quarter points for Georgia, for those of you who cared about a number larger than just winning by one or more. 7.5 yards per carry, though, for Georgia, stands out. Because that was not movement they were able to get the week before, and that's a positive sign. It's weird watching Stetson Bennett right now. I feel the same way about Georgia for a different reason, uh, that I I cannot make the comparison because the message board is going to kill me. Let me just put it to you this way. There's another really high-level team that plays in the SEC West that I don't think is a finished version of themselves, and I think Georgia's the same way. Stetson Bennett does not look comfortable right now. I think by late November or December, they will have figured out whatever it is that is plaguing that offense, relatively speaking. They're undefeated, and they'll be fine, or as fine as they can be. I'm not saying they're going to light the world on fire, but watching them right now, it doesn't matter because they're playing inferior competition, but watching them right now, there's just it's something a little off, just a little off. Not a crowbar in the bicycle spokes, maybe a, maybe like a twig. And so when the bicycle spokes are rolling, you can hear it rattling, and it's just it's aggravating more than anything. The current odds to win the national championship have updated as of today. This is new as of today. Ohio State's the favorite to win the national title now. Bama's right behind them, and Georgia and Bama are tied. So Ohio State, plus 200 odds, and uh, Bama and Georgia, plus 220. And then it's Clemson at plus 1,200 next up. And if you're interested, USC, and then Michigan, and then Tennessee, and then UCLA. Uh, That's interesting looking. Oklahoma State's in there. Penn State, TCU, Ole Miss, Oregon. So interesting times in the neighborhood here. Uh, We have got two games to put on the Ramen Noodle Express. And as I look them up, I want you to remember to do one thing for me. I need you to like this video and subscribe to this channel. We have had a massive influx of both of those things just because I ask. And so I appreciate you guys doing that. Okay, two games to put on the Ramen Noodle Express. Early best bets here. Georgia Southern is at home Saturday. They are hosting James Madison and he's undefeated. James is undefeated and he's going into Statesboro, they've already taken down one relatively giant brand in Nebraska this year. I think that they are going to very much challenge ranked James Madison. James Madison's 25th in the JP poll. Mind you, the voters can tell you nothing about the team. Don't lie to yourself, you can't. And you got about half a dozen teams below him that would drag them on a neutral field, but whatever. Good for James Madison. Uh, one of our forefathers. I had a buddy that spelled that F-O-U-R-F-A-T-H-E-R-S. Forefathers. The quads, if you will. Well, James Madison's going to Statesboro. We're taking Georgia Southern plus 10 and a half. I, I, cover three has their own terminology for this, and those guys would call it a money line sprinkle. I'm not so sure I may not sprinkle a little on that Georgia Southern money line. I feel, feel like it's a, it's a nice little spot that sets up for the Golden Eagles down there. And also, get on this before it moves to seven, please. Western Kentucky, minus six and a half. Love them this week. Do not think that number is gonna hang there for long. That's why we're giving it out right now. So Georgia Southern, plus 10 and a half. Western Kentucky, minus six and a half. I'm very excited about this week. We got huge games coming up. We're at the midway point of the season. So much still to go. Great growth and volume and traffic on the show. So, I guess what I want to say as I sign off is thank you as always. Like the video, subscribe to the channel and the podcast. Subscribing is very, very important. For producer, Jesse. For director, Tom. I'm Josh Chang. Have yourselves a great start to your week. Take care and God bless.